This is the Drive-In Podcast. Take one. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to the 80th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have our deep dive spoiler review for The Batman. Featuring a very special guest, one by the name of Big Mike, brother of Dr. O and Ricky Flicks of the Drive-In Podcast. So use the bathroom now, grab that popcorn and enjoy the 80th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. All right, howdy doody. Episode 80 of the po- of the Drive-In Podcast is here. Shout out Jerry Rice. This is Dr. Rowe on the horn. I'm joined by Ricky Flicks and a very special guest. Uh, Ricky Flicks, before we jump into our guests and give a, a much-deserved uh, introduction a lengthy introduction i want to see how you're doing and uh what you've seen the batman for what three times this weekend i have seen the batman three times um over the week i should say yeah over the week yeah it was six days over the course of six days i've seen it three times nine hours of my life when you say it like that it's tough but well worth it this movie was incredible i'm sure everyone listening now has listened to our spoiler free review so you know that we loved it, but I'll tell you this on a rewatch and then a third rewatch, it gets even better. It is so good. So go see it again if you if you want. But if you want to wait, fine. Wait till it comes out on HBO Max, but it will be better that time as well. It's literally dropping on HBO Max, I think April 19th. We're like Ooh. a little over a month away from it dropping for anyone to see on streaming, which is kind of banana lands when you think about it and think about the long run that Spider-Man no way home had and how it kind of was trying to soak up every single cent that it was going to make at the box office. But without further ado, we have to introduce today's very special guest, one that we, that Ricky Flex and I have been looking to have on the podcast since its inception a year, almost, what, almost two years ago now, Ricky Flex. Yeah. Right. That's how far, that's how many we've done with these. So we have a DC aficionado. One that uh, I lean on heavily when it comes to DC characters. One that uh, I will spend Friday nights after a couple pops. I'll get a phone call. We'll talk about the state of the DCEU and the, the right turns they made and the wrong turns. May I introduce our official DC correspondent, Big Mike. How are you, kid? Welcome to the Driving Pod. The holy triumvirate. Together. <laughs> It's, it's been a while. Uh, I think I'm, am I the last of the immediate family to join other than mom? Yeah. So oh, we haven't had Nikki. We, we've had, Nikki. we've had okay. PKO on the romantic comedies draft. We had doc, Classic. we had doc senior uh, for the eighties draft, mega, mega draft. And then we had, yeah. So I guess you are the next in line. Well, I, I just had to wait for you guys to get big before I decide it was big enough for me to come on. So, of course. <laughs> <laughs> right. You were just waiting for the buildup here. So, Mike, you, I mean, you, as I said before, you're like our DC aficionado, someone we lean on 
uh, someone we know, if we go to a family party, you're going to be like, like uh, conjuring up these conversations at the dinner table, whether it be about the Snyderverse, uh, the wrong turns, as I said before, the DCEU has made, the, the upcoming multiverse. Uh, what were your expectations going into the Batman and uh, did it live up to them? Well, I, I texted you guys that review. It was about like comparing it to the animated series and it did not disappoint in that turn because I mean, you guys did the best live action Batman uh, draft. And I, I think it was you, Dave, you said Kevin Conroy. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not live action, but best Batman. And like, that's the quintessential Batman for me. So I, I was hoping and I got what I wanted. Wow. The animated yeah. series, man. The, the, yeah. the animated series had a big presence on that draft and deservedly so. Maybe the ultimate. We talk about this rendition of the Batman, how it's different than what we've seen beforehand. But I think the animated series just has a special place in all of our hearts because we grew up watching it together. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that Battinson had echoes of that for sure. Like, I, I actually did. I was one of the few people that liked Batfleck. But I mean, it, it, he was more of like an action hero. Like, this is like, it, it had the the best parts of that and the best parts of Christian Bale. Yeah, it was awesome. Interesting. So yeah, we got like this Hulk busting God feels like Affleck was going to rip through the suit at some point. Very strong with the gadgets, very high tech one that was like taking on Superman. Then as opposed to this gritty uh, grounded style, Batman that Matt Reeves has introduced that's somehow even more grounded than what the dark Knight introduced with Christopher Nolan somehow. And everyone thought it couldn't get more real for a comic book movie until Matt Reeves here. Um, so I guess where I wanted to start before we dive into the spoilers here, I want to get like, I love hearing your opinions, Mike, on the status of the DC multiverse. Do you like the direction that it's headed in right now? Uh, following the Batman, following Peacemaker, Suicide, the Suicide Squad. Do you think it's in a good spot? Not. I mean, I think it's uh, the hottest it's been since Christopher Reeve and Michael Keaton. <laughs> really dominated like cinemas. I mean, we got Peacemaker, like, with that epic show. Uh, great soundtrack. Uh, and then we got, um, you know, I mean, DC's been pumping out hits for ever since Aquaman, really. You got Aquaman, you got Birds of Prey, which critically was successful. Myself, not a fan, but uh, you got Shazam. Wonder Woman 84 was a mess, but it was overall, like, I'm glad I came out on HBO Max and didn't pay to see that. And then... <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh you got uh suicide squad and then you got peacemaker and now the batman like i'm getting pretty pumped to see what's coming next with uh flash and uh you know all the movies coming out even DC, even league of super pets i'm excited to see what comes out with that keanu <laughs> yeah but mike sent us a the trailer for the new DC League of Super Pets movie with The Rock and Kevin Hart and Keanu Reeves, John Krasinski, that whole voice cast, which is pretty unbelievable when you say it out loud. But uh, I don't know, Ricky Flex, where do you think the DC universe stands? Mike brought up like the Flash, like the reintroduction of Michael Keaton, bringing him back out. Affleck kind of making his uh, curtain call in the Flash. Yeah, so what Black do you, what Adam. Do Black yeah, Adam's Black coming. Adam. What do you think about the yeah. status of the DC universe right now? Multiverse. Yeah. So. Going off Big Mike there, I th so Aquaman, I didn't particularly love, but it was a hit. That was a big hit. Like, that was a success there. And I think he's right. Like, he went through the list there. And 
they have been for the most part, like putting, churning out these hits and they've had their misses, but their misses, I think aren't as catastrophic as what they could have been. Like if they missed with this movie. So I think that DC's on the path, but there's still like this movie that just came out, the Batman, it's solidified. Okay. DC still knows they could put out bangers, not just hits, but bangers, but you still don't have that trust factor with the DCEU like you do with Marvel because Marvel, they've had their fair share of misses. I would say critically, uh, I would say the pa- over the past two years, whether that's Black Widow, whether that's uh, uh, Captain Marvel for me and was not Shang-Chi, but the other one that came out recently, but Eternals. thank you Eternals. So three misses that one. in a year, like critically, that's bad. But you still have that trust factor with the MCU that you don't have with the DCEU. So this is a big year for DC. You start out with this banger of a movie that's not in the DCEU. But hey, if The Rock can carry Black Adam with a pretty good surrounding cast around him, and then The Flash with Michael Keaton's return, another Batman, like we could be seeing something special here. But they got to hit in the DCEU. It can't just be a separate uh a set like outside the DCU, they got to hit within. So we'll see after this year where the, where we stand at the end of the year. I feel like DC is kind of hitting their groove right now in a way where they're they have found that they just aren't going to replicate what Marvel's done. They're not going to worry as much about the continuity and making sure all these stories are connecting. All their movies aren't going to have the same template, just like you look at a bunch of Marvel movies where you have the main, the hero, and the villain with a similar motive uh, as a foil to the hero. And then it ends at a huge CGI like slugfest. You know, it feels like every Marvel movie, every template is the same. Even looking at it, it had pretty cool nostalgic aspects. Like Spider-Man No Way Home had a very similar template to a lot of other Marvel movies still. It had the same like feel. It seems like with this DC multiverse, they are now, I know they there has been comments on, by Warner CEO. I think it's Noah Emmerich. I believe is his, na- his name is. Uh, he said uh, that these movies are going to have more of a focus on the director and their vision rather than the continuity aspect that the MCU and like Kevin Feige is like this master overseer of all things. He's like the great and powerful Oz for every type of Marvel project here. You can have with this multiverse, a James Gunn style suicide squad in a spinoff show. Then you could have a Matt Reeves, dark, gritty, grounded Batman, right? They're just more concerned with the the projects independently rather than that continuity aspect. It's going to lead to good things in the future. I'm really concerned though about the DCEU. And I think eventually it's just going to feel like I'm watching like, I don't know what it is, but like the fast franchise almost where it's just going to be like a roller coaster type of adventure. Every time you go, uh, I feel like the flash was shaping up to be kind of a mess. We got Wonder Woman 1984, which just felt like a popcorn movie. I, I It seems like if you want like that artistic cinematic type of feel to the movies, it's going to be the standalone adventures like the Batman and Joker. Any take on that? Uh, Big Mike, does that make sense? Oh, well, I, I'm glad you mentioned Joker. I forgot, like, arguably the biggest hit of past couple of years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Batman's going to break that. Oh, and don't forget what came out this past year is Zack Snyder's Justice League. Like, that was great, epic. And then I think this is where DC, they should have gone in this direction from the get. They shouldn't have done, like, the team up. This plays into their strengths because who was the first comics to have movies was Christopher Reeve and Superman way back in the seventies. Marvel really didn't start pumping out movies till the X-Men. <laughs> and so True. that's 30 years later. 
<laughs> it, it seemed five, like, 30 years and four Batmans already later. It's kind of right. crazy. It's crazy how they like, they like pass the torch, like in terms of like box yeah. office domination, obviously DC, when you think about like Superman 1980, and then like the bat, the subsequent Batman movies in the late eighties, early nineties. Then you said X-Men, Spider-Man, early two thousands. But then here comes a, a comeback with DC yeah. with the dark Knight trilogy. And then after that Avengers comes out the same year as the dark Knight rises. And then we have this, like we basically have one of the, probably the most, uh, it is the most, financially successful Spider-Man movie coming up with maybe the uh, one of the most financially successful and critically successful Batman movies. So it seems like we're leading, we're living in the peak moment of fandom. You know, it's, it's kind of a cool thing to see. I actually like uh, DC's approach more. And I actually am like, you know, I, after Batman, Spider-Man is my favorite. So I'm not like it. I, I like both DC and Marvel, but Multiverse is more like a comic book. Like MCU is for the general audience. If you read comic books, man, Thor speaks like Shakespeare. He does not speak like he does in the end, like Chris Hemsworth. He's not cracking jokes because like his personality in those movies isn't that different from Iron Man, <laughs> you know, with the sarcasm and the wisecracking. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's, it's more, uh, you know, each hero is going to have a different, book that's going to be different in terms of their personality and like you were saying the grittiness and um so i think the multiverse really plays to dc strength and actually is not great for marvel because what's the point of a multiverse is everything's the same story Mm -hmm. interesting yeah so it's almost like when you go into a comic book shop and you're looking at the different like stories different uh uh storylines and the different uh like series that come out regarding the same characters, yeah. you can almost like pick your own type of flavor. And that seems like, seems like what DC's going for. You want to have more fun. You want to have a couple of laughs. Oh, here's the suicide squad. If you want to have a, a, like a, 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 like a world's finest, like Batman and Superman type story. Oh, we have Zack Snyder right here. You would love if you want a uh, realistic tale and one that uh, features like a superhero in a realistic style universe. Here's the Batman. It just seems like they're touching upon all these different like genres within the super, the comic book universe. Same, same thing goes exactly. with Joker. And if for some reason, Joker, I just don't lump in with the rest of these. It's just, I don't know if it is like the, the Oscar appeal it had, or maybe it's just, uh, it just doesn't, have that Gotham City feel that the Batman has and that the Snyder trail the Snyder um verse had and that, that that feel just doesn't it just it's like a we I talked about with Ricky Flux how it's just kind of like the king of comedy just an extreme take on it you know it's just, it just doesn't have it has a cinematic feel but it's just lacking that comic book feel but I did want to say uh Mike before we get into the review here and we talk about the road that has come to and led to the Batman uh, did you watch anything to prepare yourself for the movie? Oh, uh, Ethan and I, my wife, for those listening, uh, we watched Shut The up. Long Halloween. <laughs> so we watched uh, both of that. And Isa, surprisingly, actually, we'll get into this in the review. She actually liked the AMA movie more, the story, than the Batman. Whoa. Well, for those that haven't seen it, it is like an excellent movie. And then I also watched Batman Year One with Isa and... Uh, that movie was so-so, but we'll talk later in the review, but I definitely saw elements of both in there. And uh, I would say the best elements of both, especially year one. <laughs> he, he got rid of the crap I didn't want to see. <laughs> so I was happy with Matt Reeves' decisions. It seems like that's like the perfect 
like lead in to this movie a uh, year one and uh, the long Halloween have been two of like the three major inspirations in terms of graphic novel wise that Reeves has taken for the Batman. I know when Ricky Flex and I went to go see it Tuesday night, two days before the movie actually came out or three days, not a big deal, but they handed out the long Halloween, the first volume of it, which was pretty awesome. It just shows you what you're getting. And Ricky's showing to the YouTube. Now it shows you what you're getting with this movie, how it's going to be loyal to like the comic book characters and the story there, but it's going to have its own twist on it, which it did. It, it really came through uh, Ricky flex. I know you're a huge fan of like the, the DC animated stuff, right? You check out anything this weekend. Master of the phantasm. I, so Dr. O big Mike, I'm, I think we all share the same HBO max. Someone watched Max, Mask of the Phantasm. It was me. I did. Somebody did, so I watched I it. <laughs> you guys, you suckered me into it. You twisted my arm, so I watched Amazing. it. <laughs> so I watched it, and it was terrific. But I was too busy watching the Batman. I saw it two more times, for God's <laughs> sake. So much in your veins right now. Yeah, but before that, like before I saw it the first time, I did Year One, and then I did The Long Halloween Part 1 and 2. So I did the same thing as Big Mike, and I watched Kimmy. And Kimmy actually, like, as a movie, didn't love it, but I, I, didn't, I didn't mind it. But the performance by uh, Zoe Kravitz and that was a great lead-in. I know I mentioned this in a spoiler-free review. It was a great lead-in to her Catwoman in this movie. So I'm glad I did watch it beforehand. Yeah, and I, I got to take credit for the, the Mask of the Phantasm. I watched it. <laughs> a little hint for later in the episode. It does crack my top five Batman movies ever made. I, I, I really think it does. Wholeheartedly it, agree, man. And it, it really does have connections to or like similarities to the story we just saw, like uh, uncovering or unmasking the criminal underworld and uh, the serial killer who's haunting Gotham City, how the Batman people aren't really sure how to perceive him, whether he's a good guy or bad guy. And he's playing into the fear in the city. Uh, it does give a lot more background on Bruce's story, but it does tap into that detective noir style, too. It's just it, it's it's so good i love it i love it so much and it just follows up the animated series and the vibe that gave perfect um why don't i build up oh sorry what are you gonna say mike uh, i did watch the twilight saga did anyone else <laughs> <laughs> just shut up shut up uh let's go to the vampire kind of like a bat you know <laughs> baby. we're gonna have to kick him off before you can start the review um road to the movie Let's see how we got here, okay? So this starts off with Ben Affleck, R.I.P. Batfleck. But Affleck, uh, he wants to make a movie, a Batman movie, centered in the DCEU, titled The Batman. Uh, we had a tease of Deathstroke following the release of Justice League. We had the post-credit appearance of Joe Manganiello, uh, who's supposedly going to be the main antagonist for that movie. Uh, we also see him at the end of Zack Snyder's Justice League looking very different. It had people like hoping maybe we'll get this Batfleck movie on HBO Max or a series at some point looking very dim right now. So Batman, look, I mean, Affleck looking to make this happen. Justice League comes out 2017 and uh, chaos ensues. Uh, Affleck loses passion for the character, uh, has a terrible time on set, doesn't enjoy the movie experience. And that's coming off Batman versus Superman, which is a lackluster performance, uh, somewhat financially more so critically uh he agrees to let go of the reins as director because remember he wanted to direct the batman and not only star in it then uh once he lets go of let's go of those reins here comes in uh matt reeves he has a different vision for the character affleck officially out here comes robert pattinson in a bold casting a lot of people weren't willing to accept at the time five years ago uh, at this point which is kind of crazy to think about 
Uh, Reeves comes in with a movie set outside the DCEU. And uh, here we are today uh, with a, a bat verse that's looking to unfold in front of our eyes over the next few years. So um, it makes you wonder, it has you excited for the future, but also has you imagine what could have been. Uh, so I'll start out with you, uh, Big Mike. Are you satisfied with just getting this like Matt Reeves, Robert Pattinson collaboration or in your heart? Are you still like saddened or, or do you have a glimmer of hope that we get to see Batflick see his vision come to life, maybe on HBO Max? No, uh, what's the point of a multiverse if you can't really get multiple depictions? Like, I want both. <laughs> I, I, I saw Pattinson and he won me over, but I want, uh, you know, I, I'm greedy. I want both. I'm like Carmine, <laughs> I'm giving more. <laughs> so, and for those that have seen the movie, you'll get that. And then, so, um, yeah, I think HBO Max definitely, especially like, I won't even go into the uh, Snyder cut, but like just at the picture of dark side, like I need to see more of that. <laughs> so, and I mean, Snyder, yeah, the way he works, like a mini series is the perfect vehicle for him. So, and I think you guys are saying on the previous pod, like TV, he thinks of Netflix and all these streaming services and the mini series and really started with game of Thrones and Sopranos and all those guys, but it's becoming like, it's almost taking place of film and so i would love to see a depiction of that on hbo max for sure that's such a good point it seems like tv it seems like an outlet people are more willing to have these like comic book franchises and just overall just being able to flesh out these characters rather than just relying like for the bad verse just having this trilogy you can go into an arkham asylum series introduce these villains expand upon their stories right uh you have the penguin series you see this is a spoiler review so just a heads up for when we bring up anything uh regarding what we see in the movie but the way Penguin's character is set up following Carmine Falcone's demise in this movie. So like seeing, like having the, the opportunity, cause like it's, there's, it's unlikely Penguin's going to be the main antagonist in the next movie, but you could see a more developed character since the first, the Batman movie, you know, you could see someone that actually has grown in a series going into the sequel and, and uh, it'll make, it'll keep you invested into it. Um, yeah. Ricky Flex, any thoughts in that regard? I honestly don't want a Batfleck movie anymore. I'm sorry. I don't yeah, want it. Too many Batman. Too many. We already have it's Michael over. Keaton coming back. It's over. But the series element, I'm so in for a Zack Snyder series because I do agree with uh, Big Mike. He's perfect. Perfect. He's the quintessential director for a series, like a limited series. Really the perfect director for it. So if we just do a Justice League series, just with dark side. I because you need to see more dark side. You can't just feed us the oh. Snyder cut and just tell us dark sides here. You and think make all those actors are coming back for a, a no. Justice League series? <laughs> no, I don't. But can we just dream for a second here? Like <laughs> like side was epic. Make Thanos look like little bitch. Like it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I would want to see. That's what I would I would want to see. Unfortunately, it doesn't look likely, but that's the dream. All right. Yeah. So, but I am ecstatic by the series we got, the future that it holds, the uh, outside continuity, whether it's not just outside the DCEU, it's going to have no connections to, the, to Joker that came out with Walking Phoenix previously. Uh, that was kind of stated by Matt Reeves during this whole promo tour. And he's been saying a lot of stuff that's going to get you hyped for uh, this upcoming Bad First. But I want to go into Reeves and some of the choices he makes 
in this movie, that's kind of different from other Batman renditions and kind of separates itself. Uh, some of them are pretty bold and uh, others are kind of small touches that actually make a big difference. And the one thing I want to touch upon is uh, the narration of this movie at the beginning and in the end by Robert Pattinson. Uh, we've never seen a Batman narrating. I guess in, in the, all the years, whether it go for the Burton films to the Schumacher to the Nolan films, we haven't had a Batman, like guess, I guess just like as we survey through Gotham, like dropping right. His voice. We have him to the Nirvana soundtrack here. What do you think was the effect of that in this movie? Ricky Flex, if it hadn't. It? So after the first watch, so when I, every time narration comes and it's not like talking to the audience, right? Like cross it, like what Deadpool does, like uh, breaking the fourth wall. Like, this is, like, pure narration. And I feel like that's just lazy writing a lot of the times if it's just narration. But I changed my mind after the second and third time I've seen this. I've completely changed my mind. 360, now I love it. Because what he was saying, like, he is the shadows. Like, all his, all the best lines in the movie are kind of from that dialogue in this narration. And it made it feel like a comic book. The lines felt like you were reading The Long Halloween or, like, year, Batman Year One when he's actually, like, when he's because the narration is his diary right it made it feel like it was year one and i thought it actually had a great effect on it and final thing we just talked about how much we love the animated series animated batman i am the knight like like that's what it felt like right that yes. felt like him saying that like and, him saying i am vengeance that's in the animated series yeah you know i am batman <laughs> it just it fit so i completely 360 on it now i love it Loves it. My, uh, what do you think, Big Mike? Were you a fan of the narration, beginning and end? Um, the beginning, I wasn't. And then, like, I saw where he was going with it. And then, I was just thinking about this now, like, I love Nor, uh, uh, Nor films. Like, I like Confidential. Half the movie is him narrating while he's investigating. And Guy Pierce, you know? And, like, uh, Chinatown, all those movies. And so, you start to see the influence. And then, uh, it's just what what Rick said. It's like it's coming straight from a comic book because like it's not even just like the long Halloween and those big graphic novels. Like every issue in the MA series, again, did a great job with that in every episode. Batman does do that. <laughs> he narrates to himself. He thinks out loud on the pages. It's perfect. Right. It's great. It really feels like it's coming off a panel of a comic book. It's got top left corner. It's in a different yes. color. It's in yellow. And it's like, okay, like day one, right? Project Gotham, you know? And like that, because he has like, it's literally the folder that he's keeping in the back end. So it's like Project Gotham, like this whole thing. I love kind that. Of, I love that. That's what he said. It. It's like an experiment that he's going through. But I love the monologue. I would have been a little annoyed if he was going throughout the movie saying like day 50 or whatever regarding this project. But the fact that he's saying like, year two and it's right at the beginning he goes on this monologue set to an amazing score by michael giacchino and like my favorite like score of the movie i almost want to say favorite part of the score where there's they're showing the shadows they think he's there they think i'm hiding in the shadows but i am the shadows like that is such that's going to be me and ricky flex we went through our spoiler free review we were talking about maybe it's not gonna have that many iconic lines that's one that that's one that's already popping off on Twitter like all the time. People are already quoting that one. The but Steelers I also, tweeted it out and used it but, in like their team, their team yeah. graphic. 
it was like Minka Fitzpatrick, I think. And it was just like him, like in the shadows, like, it, like this is going to be uh, one of the most recognized quotes in comic book history. But there's like, he was like striking fear in the beginning, him saying fear is a tool. And then it's so ominous, but then they only, they have to have at the end, his monologue. And I, what I liked is the second monologue right at the end of the movie, it kind of brings the character full circle. And he's talking about like, I can't just be vengeance. I have to be more than vengeance. And it was like the two parts like matched up well, one another had a more hopeful score at the end. And it got, and he recognized like he is the savior of Gotham. He's not just doing it for his parents anymore. I just thought it worked really, really well. Um, Both times I saw it, I was blown away. And I think it was such a strong start to the movie too. Voice is such an asset too. Mike, what do you think of his voice in this movie? was actually saying that to Isa, like uh, him as Batman, it was, again, it's like, uh, it was better than Keaton. And it's like Comroy's was like, there was a clear difference between Bruce Wayne and Batman, but like, you could hear it. <laughs> like, it was believable. Lee Nolan, like Batman, it's ridiculous. But <laughs> that's one of my pet peeves with uh, Bale's Batman. Like it's become iconic, but it was still like, ridiculous that he chose to take it in that direction <laughs> because no one else had done that with the Batman voice but I, I think his was it's good because it was like intimidating at, at the same time it had that dry humor like you got a lot of cats <laughs> <laughs> he was too smooth with it man oh, he was too smooth he was like thumb drive <laughs> yeah, yeah you're right He's- <laughs> it's good he sounded smoother like- when he was wearing the Batman suit than he was like as Bruce Wayne I think that was on purpose that's just more, is more comfortable. That's, that's, that's his true identity. identity. Exactly. And speaking of that, like, I mean, another like bold, I guess, uh, decision made by Matt Reeves is to limit our time with Bruce Wayne. It's I know Ricky Flex and I talked about this in the first uh, our spoiler free episode. But Mike, what do you think about the decision to kind of limit our time at, with Bruce Wayne? I, it's I, it's, it's kind of sounds like you're saying that, like, it's just good that we see him, that he's in this all Batman all the time mentality throughout the entire movie. I did like it because like no other movie had that much of Batman, unless you watch an animated movie or the Justice League, like the show, like Batman in a suit that much. But they me, I, I loved Andy Serkis as Alfred. And I actually wish I saw more of him. Mm, we'll talk about those I, performances there. Yeah, yeah we'll I talk can. about it, but I I I missed a little bit. I think this is what we improved upon in the uh, sequels. But like that relationship that Bruce has with Alfred, I kind of was missing it a little bit. Well, he was a jerk to Ooh. him. He was like every single yeah, scene. It was, was a little. It was a little odd. I'm not gonna lie. I, I was. I was a little taken aback. Right. I understood for the movie, but like, I. It was a different choice than I would have gone, but I'm yeah. not Matt Reeves. And like he wasn't just a jerk. Like obviously, when Alfred wakes up post bomb, the first thing Robert uh, Bruce Wayne says is, "You lied to me." Instead of like, "Hey, how you doing?" Like, sorry that I basically took the reason bomb to the face, and he's just like, "He wakes up, you lied to me." (laughs) He's like, "What are you talking about? Go get me some water." (laughs) I wish that bomb killed me. (laughs) (laughs) He just wakes up from a coma. You lied to me. (laughs) He's like, "What are you talking about, dude?" (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, that that was absurd. But I think you we were talking about Bruce Wayne, and upon my rewatches here, like the I, obviously this was a Batman movie, right? And he was like, in my eyes, the best Batman we've ever seen on the screen. And for me personally, Bruce Wayne is the best. I'm sorry, 
Christian Bale is the best Bruce Wayne we've ever seen. And like, obviously the playboy element, he has the look, the smarts and wits about him, smoothness factor. Yes, he is Bruce Wayne. But I feel like Robert Pattinson, like he's just such a young Bruce Wayne here. He's a mourning period. He, he did, he's not like, he's basically emo, right? He's kind of an emo Batman, emo Bruce Wayne. And he doesn't go out. He only goes out so he could do Batman things. He only goes out as Bruce Wayne to see if the Riddler is going to be at the funeral, right? So he's only doing that for the Batman. And I feel that now with the Thomas Wayne allegations slash what happened, obviously there, the Riddler uncovered or unmasked, I guess I should say. Maybe he becomes more a part of the community because now at the re- end of the film, he realizes the Batman means more than just vengeance, more than just for Thomas Wayne. It's for him, also for Gotham. And also what's better for Gotham? A more active Bruce Wayne. So maybe in this unsuing trilogy, maybe more, we'll get a more active Bruce Wayne and maybe a, a nicer Bruce Wayne and not a complete jerk. Yeah, you're right. Like he came out really, he came off really cold throughout this entire movie. Even before the bombs the incident. Suit. And he he portrayed the ultimate like the more, most emotional scene of the movie with him as Bruce Wayne, obviously with Alfred. Recognize Alfred kind of giving him that lesson about his parents, giving him the true story regarding them, what Alfred mean meant, what his parents meant to Alfred. You know, so uh, I do think the next movie it gives a lot of growth for him as Bruce Wayne. But this was a story about the Batman through and through. Just look at the damn title, you know it. <laughs> It's the Batman, right? It's not, it's, it's, that's what it is going to be. And uh, you're right. It's going to be, I, I think I heard Matt Reese say it's going to have more of an emotional attachment or a emotional aspect in the next one. Uh, it seems like his emotional attachment here, not only with Alfred in that one scene, but it's when he's wearing the suit and he's talking with Zoe Kravitz. Right. And it seems like that's where he got in touch with, wow, maybe he's doing this for more than himself, more than his parents. Right. Um, but I did want to talk about some other decisions here. Backstory on the Waynes. We brought them up, right? So in this rendition, the Waynes are given a dark backstory. So we have a situation where the Riddler is uncovering, right, the secret lives of these high-status people in Gotham. When you think of high-status people in Gotham, you obviously think about the Waynes. So in this rendition, Thomas Wayne is killed, along with uh, Martha, as Thomas Wayne is running for mayor. Okay, and uh, there are some secrets regarding the Waynes. Martha Wayne is in and out of mental institutions. Her maiden name is Arkham. And uh, so Martha Wayne's mother is a part of a murder suicide with her husband. Very, very dark. A backstory that they get here. Then you have Thomas Wayne allegedly hiring Carmine Falcone to murder someone, who, to murder a writer, an investigative reporter who looks who's going to release this story regarding Martha and her mental breakdowns and things like that. So, what do you think, Big Mike, of having a backstory to the Waynes after basically knowing nothing about them throughout every single Batman rendition we've seen at this to this point? Well, I actually forgot that. Uh, Bruce is like real Gotham royalty. I forgot his mom was an Arkham. Like, like I, I, I think this is new. That. This is, is new. It? I think I, I feel I've never like, seen this. Uh, it like, felt like before. I've heard of that before. I don't know. Maybe it is new. But like that was interesting choice and one that I think was great. And I don't know if Martha ever had like mental problems before, but um, I mean it was it's great because it does line up like in uh, for those that read the comics flashpoint, she becomes the Joker. I was going to say after this. Bruce Wayne's <laughs> killed. 
what do you think? I mean, it makes sense. Like she would become a little, she would just go off the deep end after a traumatic a point, event like that. So, I like that. I mean, Ricky, Ricky, you said you were going to make the same point. I was going to make the same comment. Sorry. Sorry about no, no, that. No, no, Good catch. Uh, but I love what they did with uh, Thomas Wang. I mean, I mean, dude, I mean, it's Carmine Falcone. He's a mob boss. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to go to John Gotti and ask him to intimidate someone, not expect him to kill him. <laughs> it's gonna happen mm-hmm. so but i thought that was a little naive but it was good it, i mean i'm glad that they gave alfred that chance to show he you know it wasn't intentional and like bruce is again showing the inexperience he was being played mm-hmm. yeah i i think i think it was it was good i i liked it better than the way they made thomas wayne joker mm. this was more in line of the comics mm. and, and- and yes, like Thomas Wayne, like he wasn't a perfect person. They clearly showed that, but they didn't go full. He was an awful person. They still had that glimmer of hope saying like, oh, he was a good person. And that's as an audience member, you do want to see that still at the end of the day. Yeah. You don't want Martha Wayne to be a like have that backstory that they gave her and then just double down on it with Thomas Wayne just being a complete douchebag or whatever. Right. Yeah. So you need to have some glimmer. And then, like you mentioned, Alfred, with that soliloquy he did there and how much he loved them. That was like his his like moment, right? That was his like Andy Serkis's shining moment right there. His where he puts his acting chops to the test. And they that gave us that. I will say from when they introduced that lap that uh the Thomas Wayne uh unmasking till the Kenzie on the roof, right after the circus part, I think that was the biggest lull of the movie. I think that was the slowest part. Um, the only time where I could say, oh, they could have probably cleaned this up a little bit. And cut down that runtime a little bit. But that's like the only lull I thought there was in this movie. And at the end of the day, I'm glad they kept it in because they gave us a backstory that we didn't see because they didn't give us an origin movie uh, story here, right? We didn't get the pearls, thank God. But they had to give us something, right? And they gave us this unique spin on it, which I liked. Yeah, I, I kind of love this backstory for like Bruce's parents. Um, not because I love what happened. I love to see this darker side, but it's kind of, we talk about what's grounded. You talk about the political state of today, almost like nobody's clean, you know? So it mm. seemed like if you are a mayor running for mayor of Gotham city, a city that's full of corruption, you're going to, you're not going to think the potential mayor is completely clean. Right. So even if like he has this reputation as like the savior and like this family, the savior, the saviors and the Kings of Queens of Gotham city, like they're not going to be uh, squeaky clean, right? There's going to be something that uh, is going to, I don't know, ruffle some feathers if it ever came out. It's just like, it's. I feel like it's like every political movie we've seen, like no one is as good as they truly say they are. And then going on with like the um, Martha Wayne aspect, like I like that they gave her this background of, of some mental issues because there's always this talk about like uh, mental illness running within families, I mean, Bruce Wayne dresses up as a bat and goes out in Gotham City. You know, that is not normal. And like he is <laughs> severely depressed in this movie. Like, it just kind of makes sense to me. Like, yeah, this guy's not normal, right? And they don't give much in his backstory. So when you hear that, like, there's potential mental illness that runs in his family dating back to his grandma, it's like, yeah, this guy's pretty... Pr- Maybe off a tick, you know, there might be something going on inside the bell. And that's just not the same as everybody else. So I kind of, I thought that that made sense. Um, I also love that it sets up a relationship with this potential uh, with like Arkham Asylum, uh, this part of 
Bruce Wayne and we talk about the potential Batfleck movie that was going to happen. How Batfleck wanted to have something set inside Arkham Asylum, almost like the Arkham Asylum video game, Arkham City, oh. where Batman's going up against all these rogues. We're going to we have this games. Gotham City Police Department series that is now retroactively changing. It seems like it's changing by the day. And Reeves is saying that GCPD series is now going to be set in Arkham. So, wow. Like, is it, are we going to learn even more about Bruce's backstory through these series? Even if he doesn't participate, even if we don't see patents in these series, we're going to learn more before the sequel comes. I found that insanely exciting. And that just has me pumped uh, to see characters that introduced like Joker and obviously the Riddler's in there. Are we going to see Paul Daniel and Barry Kagan like in Arkham Asylum in the series? That'd be crazy. And who else are we going to see? Harvey Dent? Is he going to make an appearance? Maybe, maybe predictions later. Um, I have a okay. bunch I want to see. Uh, I do. I guess there's a couple other decisions I want to talk about, but I'll keep it short so we can keep moving on. Oh, Joker. Decisions made here. Uh, talking about Matt Reeves, this like category. So we have Barry Kogan, one scene in the movie towards the end, Riddler, right, is kind of going crazy. Paul Dano going nuts after Batman thwarts his plan and uh, saves Gotham City. Uh, Riddler sees it on the news, but then he actually meets a companion. He has a pal. He hears this kid's laugh and you hear a uh, potential supervillain team up in the making with Barry Kogan's Joker. So, Mike, Big Mike, what do you think of uh, Kogan's appearance in this movie? Did the scene work? thought the scene worked because it was the right amount creepy but i was i actually kind of like the laugh it reminded me of a joker that everyone forgets about that also could be one of the like he's right after ledger in my opinion and above nicholson is mark hamill like the laugh reminded me a little bit of mark hamill not as ludicrous but i i I hope eventually he gets there because that's iconic but it looks epic, uh, like the potential there. And like they even, did you see the nose, like from the side? It had the, it was big and it had the big bump and then the point, like like in the comics and the hair, you could see the outline and you're like, uh, they're really going more authentic because like uh, Ledger was anarchic. Um, uh, what's his name? Jared Leto was both in, Snyder's Justice League and in Suicide Flashy Gangster. Yeah. And I didn't like it either of them, really. And then this, and then this one, um, it was like I, you sent that he has that congenital disease. It's like, dude, that was effed at birth, like basically screwed over. And he's it completely changes that look like like the true psychotic joker. It's like it's it's gonna be another different take which i like so i was happy with it and i'm excited to see where it goes i actually hope they don't really introduce the next movie but build it up for maybe the third movie you know what i mean like really let let slow burn you You know let that pay off so i talked to our cousin steven yesterday about like the possibility for the next movie what will joker's role be and he read something uh, i think it was online that i think is a genius idea and i would love to see instead of having joker as the main antagonist for the second movie it's what's kind of be teasing uh, at least his existence in the universe instead right probably batman put uh this joker away right maybe in his first years batman maybe he's not the joker that we come to know yet but he probably has a prior relationship to him 
What if there is a situation where Batman continuously uh, is so- trying to solve a crime going throughout the city and he continuously visits Arkham, Arkham Asylum to go see the Joker a la Jodie Foster visiting Anthony Hopkins like in Silence of the Lambs, where he's continuously having these one-on-one conversations and visiting him. And you get to see that one-on-one interaction that everyone like drools over like we got with the interrogation scene in the dark night but you're getting that time and time again and the scenes are hitting and joker's giving you insight into like this maybe corruption that's going on or this new killer or whatever criminal is like taking over similar to calendar man in the long halloween right and we know like matt yes and like yes exactly and it's like matt reeves he loves to pay tribute to these older classic movies we see like seven uh, influence here, Chinatown, French Connection. Like, what if he like pays a little tribute here? We have the horror thriller aspect to Silence of the Lambs. I think that could be pure electricity, and it gives that opportunity for uh, to explore Barry Cogan's character and potentially he escapes Arkham Asylum at the end of the second movie, and then he's the main antagonist for the end of the trilogy. Thoughts on that, Ricky Flux? That is a great idea. Um, that is fantastic. I. Did not see look that at coming. my chops. I'm looking at my chops that, right now. That's just but just because we said it, that means it's not gonna happen. So I'm, I gotta I just think of the same thing. It's too good to be true. <laughs> it's too good. <laughs> I feel like if Matt Reeves heard Matt Reeves definitely thought of this, right? He must have thought of like this possibility. <laughs> the only time something too good to be true happened was no way home. And I saw it freaking coming. Hell of that. <laughs> so I almost don't want it to happen. <laughs> You think about like the most iconic like villains in cinematic history, like Hannibal Lecter and Joker are up there, top five, top three, you know? So he's got to be like thinking about this possibility. Uh, So I did want to- I also, Big Mike, you mentioned how like about the, uh, at birth, he's had the smile. I don't know if we, I don't, I just learned that from Dr. O today. I didn't even Mm -hmm. know that. So Dr. O, I don't know if you want to like mention that because I bet our audience like, doesn't know what we're talking about then. So I did read an interview and I also watched the interview today on uh, Matt Reeves giving detail about Barry Cogan's role, how he cut a scene that eventually will see the light of day. So I'm very excited when this hits HBO Max. I assume we're going to get that scene in about a month or two. Uh, but he uh, so this he says that this Joker, he didn't he wanted to do something different. He doesn't fall in a vat of acid, which I like. He doesn't have excessive scarring like uh, like the Dark Knight trilogy. But instead, he has this congenital disease where he permanently has this smile on his face. Uh, it seems like he was bullied as a kid and he doesn't really give much other background regarding the character, but that's just like the details in terms of what he looks like. We didn't get a great look, but it was good to have those details provided by Matt Reeves. And it's, um, maybe something we could have waited on, but I think it's just the age of promotion that we live in where he's going to let a couple things slip. And the, the other scene that was cut, apparently you do get a full view of his joker uh so that's what we're kind of looking at here but i guess the question i wanted to have regarding like this scene in the movie do you think it belonged do you think it actually fit in the movie do you think uh we basically could have had it a post credit or maybe just save it all together what do you think flex it should i know the batman doesn't really do post credit scenes but this was a post post credit scene it was cool. Like first watch, I thought, wow, this is awesome. Like we got the laugh. I also like the laugh, Big Mike. And I think his voice, I didn't love it, but it's different. And I have faith in the actor, Barry Kogan, Kagan, whatever, that it's going to be, he's, he's going to kill it. 
I, I really do think that, but I just don't think it fit within the movie. It was interesting to see the Riddler and how like his reaction to Batman saving all those people and saying like basically the Joker saying, Hey, like good job, bud, but I'm up next. That was cool. But I don't know. It just didn't seem to fit. I don't know. Am I crazy there, uh, doc? So I did, I didn't think it fit either, but I listened to the interview, the same interview that I'm talking about, Matt Reeves, what he meant to do, he wanted to have a, a character finale for, or a moment of finality for the Riddler. And mm-hmm. so they wanted to show him and the, this plan being basically foiled by the Batman and then uh, teasing like his, ex, his continued existence in this universe. And he thought it'd be a good idea, like to show this um, rogues gallery, this like potential, uh, this potential that an Arkham like setting could have and uh, how it's going to be prevalent in the future for the franchise. So I think that was important according to Reeves for the character of the Riddler, but they didn't need it. This is basically, it seemed like Matt Reeves felt like he was too good for a post credit scene. He didn't want to be caught to the shtick of a Marvel cinematic universe movie. And he wanted to say, no, this belongs. And you're still providing some fan service there. Did it fit? Did we need it? No. And no, but am I happy we got it? Duh. I'm a Batman fan, dude. <laughs> Come on. Exactly. I want to see the Joker. And I want to hear the Joker. Uh, Big Mike, what do you think of the laugh? Liked it. I just want to say, uh, so like Riddler was echoing the Zodiac Killer. What, what clown do you think of when with a permanent smile? Because this is, I'm a little scared to see where Reeves goes, and you're gonna see it when I say it. If you guys don't guess, it. I think Pennywise. I, I exactly. I'm right by both counts. I think Pennywise. Like I'm a little nervous to see where he goes, but <laughs> I'm excited but cautious. But gonna get crazy. I, I think I think the laugh was great. Like I, I, it's it's been done. Like was he like the fifth live action Joker? If you go back to Cesar Romero in the sixties, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Leto, it, it's getting Ed Ledger, harder. Nicholson, him. Yeah, it's getting harder to come up with a unique take. Right. So I, I I did like it. I liked it. I think I liked it more than Joaquin Phoenix's. Uh, his laugh was a little bit. What? That's six that? live action jokers. Yeah, so <laughs> see, it's getting hard. And, and then, like, the last movie made a billion dollars and was like yeah. Oscar. Nominated. Yeah, two Oscar wins for the same role. And then Jack Nicholson like, did it before. Like, yeah, it's like, it's it's so not an easy task. But he made it his own uh, in that brief scene. And I agree about not, fit, not fitting. But he maybe Matt Reeves going, like, I've already got. Two hours and forty. What's another five minutes? <laughs> yeah, like what? Yeah, what's the difference? We we we've made it this far, you know. Um, and uh, as I said before, like the runtime, I don't mind it. I don't. I think it was. Dec- I think it was decently paced. I don't think it was yeah. poorly paced. I think it, the well, big differentiation between this movie and The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight, to my in my opinion, is a perfectly paced movie. It, there is no point where you are taken out of it. There's no point where. If you were seeing that in a theater, you could not go to the bathroom. You could not go get more popcorn. You couldn't get a refill on your soda or else you're missing something important or something that is just pure entertainment. This one had a little bit of lulls, had a lot of exposition, a lot of things being explained between characters that helped the story. So you might have missed something and it might have been confusing the first time you saw it. But uh, for a three hour movie, I think it, it had me hooked, you know, from the get go. And uh, so it, I, 
I was in, you know, Michael. Uh, so Mike, so like, were you okay with the runtime? I know uh, you're, you seem like a busy guy. Did you, were you able to carve out three hours of your time with no, uh, with no issues, including credits? Oh yeah. I, I thought it was, um, you know, I, I, I felt like it was two hours. Like it, it flew by, like it started slow, but man, once it, it it's the definition of a slow burn, like it, it picks up and when it picks up, it starts, it's like a train starts steamrolling. And oh, that's yeah. exactly what happened. And, uh, you know, I almost didn't want it to end. It's like I, at, in the last scene where the Gotham Square Garden uh, is getting flooded, it's just like, oh, movies come to an end. I wish right. not. Like, it's just Get like, and that's where I did like the end credit scene because I was like, I want more. I, want, I need one more scene of Riddler. Like, I need this. <laughs> I need another. Whether it's him going to visit him a la uh, Batfleck and Lex Luthor, or you know, like something you got visiting. You know, what I'm actually hoping for. It's a little off topic, but like Riddler will become the scarecrow of this trilogy. Mm. Just, just continuously involved. Yeah. That'd be interesting. I like that. Yeah, it seems like that might go to Penguin, but Paul Dano is such mean, a big actor that they might do that, similar to Ella Killian yeah. Murphy. What wonderful voice too. I mean, his rendition of Ava Maria was splendid. Bravo, brava, brava. <laughs> Uh, I, I know we're going to get into the interrogation scene, our favorite scenes in a sec, but one of the aspects I wanted to jump at, I guess we can go into our favorite scenes. Why not? Let's, let's, let's crack not? into our favorite scenes. Uh, so uh, I guess we could just go one for one for one here. Cause uh, like, there's enough I can think of. I can think of five or six that really stick out from this three hour epic. Uh, so Ricky Flicks, when you start with the scene, you want to break it down a little bit and you want to, let's just talk about if we are, we're in agreement. So what scene stuck out to you from the Batman? I think it has to be the car chase scene. I think that was when it was right after the first act. And then that's when the movie started to pick up. And then you get your first introduction to the Batmobile. The Batmobile, the music's, the scores changed a little bit. Giordano did a little change to make it horror. Straight daunting. Straight, the penguin is scared out of his pants looking at this thing in the car stalling out, the blue flames are coming through the back. That car is a sight to behold. And the music made it that, that much more. Even commissioner Gordon was freaking out saying, what am I about to witness here? Am I going to witness like a Christine type moment? Like it was insane. And then the chase itself was amazing. And then when like the truck, the, the, whatever those moving trucks, was falling apart onto the Batmobile and the penguins uh, getting away, but you could see the ramp coming up, but you don't show him going up on the ramp. It gives that like little effect that pan back to the penguin where it's like, Oh, well, you know, he's going to make it, but it doesn't show us that rather it just shows us him going through the flames, jumping over cars. Love that. Loved how it didn't show everything made us think a little bit. And that's a lot of what this movie did as a detective movie. It just let us interpret a lot of things, but that was just like a short instant of when it did that. All in all, the car chase scene was the most exhilarating. Loved it. The like Matt Reeves knows how to introduce like elements of this story. Whether just introducing the Riddler to start an electric opening scene, introducing the Batman to start, following it up another electric scene, and then introducing the Batmobile as kind of like this terrifying character. Like you mentioned, Christine and like. Uh, Reeves taking elements of other iconic movies, right? Some cinematic classics. That's what it felt like right with this Batmobile sequence. And it felt 
like it was this unstoppable object, almost like a death proof type of car. Yes, where there was proof. just nothing that was going to touch it. There was nothing that was going to dent this car. You could shoot at it a zillion times. You could hit it with an 18 wheeler, right? It's just going to bounce off and it's just has, it's on a mission. There's no way you're getting out of this, right? There's no way you're escaping it. It's inevitable. The, the, the penguin's going to get caught here. And you're right. The camera placement is insane, right? Inside the car, like a rain smashing against the legs chaos. as you're chaos. going. And then, and then you have the, the stills that like that develop afterwards, the upside down, like first person perspective, mm. like from the penguin seeing the Batman, Oof. like basically each step, you could hear his steps with the score. Like, and basically it's like the devil has come for your, like your angel of death has come, right. Has arrived mask of the phantasm reference. Right. <laughs> so I, I just thought it was excellent. And Mike, any thoughts on any other thoughts you have on the car chase sequence? It was incredible. I mean, it it was again. It's like it's a character, like it's its own character. Which, I mean, that's kind of been a different depiction of Batman. That's been the case. Like he'll start it on its own when he needs it, and the car will come to him. You know, like it's almost like it's uh-huh. a pet. You know, like a loyal. You know. It's psychic in its own, right? Wow. So yeah. It's it's it was cool. And like the scene was awesome. Like uh, it was just yeah, it was a great scene. Like and thrilling. I mean yeah. yeah. Definitely when he you you say um Mary says, Oh, I got inspired by French connection. Well, no shit. Uh, the the <laughs> most uh, the, 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 the the most famous car scene of all time is the French connection. <laughs> It's such an exhilarating scene, but um, Mike, I did want to ask: uh, Do you have another scene you want to follow up here? Was that was the car chase your favorite, or was something else in the running? You guys mentioned a few. I was gonna say like the intro with the Batman and the detect and the police in the beginning at the crime scene and the Riddler. But uh, one you guys didn't mention was I actually loved the Coulson scene where he's getting asked the three questions by Riddler. Yes. Uh, and you could see the panic on Batman's face because he realizes this dude's gonna die and he can't do anything. And he's and he's like almost he's like and desperately answer, he's like justice, it's justice. He's, yes. he's like he's like you have to do this now. Yeah, he's like, you're gonna die. You can he's, see and, the panic. And he kind of has a glimmer of hope, like he's gonna give away this final yeah like this clue that everyone's looking for because he has or else he's going to die. But it shows you how deep this corruption truly is and what kind of danger these people are in and how deep they're in the district attorney, right? And him getting blown to smithereens right in front of Batman's face and him exploding afterwards, like him emerging from the shadows in that sequence. But that's also like the voice is so perfect in that scene where he goes like the answer is justice. It, it's so on point. And uh, it's eyes. And it just goes like he's and that's a huge scene for the introduction of the Riddler, him speaking and having this huge audience that kind of resembles like a social media, like a dangerous influencer, someone that can garner a huge crowd on social media. And uh, like they talked about QAnon and all these other references people are making. I don't want to go into too much of that. Maybe Richard <laughs> Flick scan. But I do like this show, like the Riddler was this crazy a foe for Batman and a non-physical one that's going to test his knowledge and it's going to push him to limits. He's going to realize I have to go deeper than I ever have for any type of criminal that I faced before. But that's a great scene. I, I thought that's right up there with me too. Yeah, that was my actually my second favorite or third, maybe third. But I think two things 
was reason besides what you guys have said about it is one i think that that was like the definitive end of the first act and we big mike you mentioned how like the first act a lot of it was exposition and a lot of backstory a little bit not not it was a little bit of a slow burn i think that you used the word slow burn but that was like whoa that was our first big explosion right that was our first like major event the district attorney just got blown to smithereens on a live stream whoa so like that was like boom all right this movie's about to take off car chase scene boom now we're in a we ramped up to a different level so that and then also peter skarsgård skarsgård perfect for this role he was so good <laughs> absolutely he, he's always good at playing a slimy coward like, yeah he's like yes he's like i got paid ten thousand ten thousand a month <laughs> he basically played the same character he was in black mass here yeah yeah uh, don't forget uh peter skarsgård green lantern Oh. Parallax, yeah, night and night and day. It also, probably, um, what uh, what I want to see going back to like Riddler and the social media thing. I actually laughed pretty hard. He's like, "Hey guys, thanks for subscribing." <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I thought that was too like, much. Oh this movie had low key funny scenes to it, even when it was like almost unintentionally funny. But maybe deep down, subconsciously, it was trying yeah. to be funny. Like the Dark Knight was, was trying to be funny. Trying to be funny. Yeah, like the Dark yeah. Knight was trying to be funny. Had those quirky lines with Bruce Wayne. Alfred, Morgan Freeman, right? Lucius Fox. This one like was funny, like not trying to be like, obviously like you have a lot of cats, like that was funny, but there's a lot of other humor that you just referenced, like with the Riddler and stuff. That was low key hilarious. Got some big right. laughs out of the crowd audience. Yeah. Like, was, it, uh, the, the, oh, penguin, the penguin, especially I was going to yeah. say like his lines, those were intentionally funny. Yeah. And uh, like him with the Spanish and like, he's like, you guys don't know Spanish. And, like I thought that was incredible. Then, uh, I was uh, kind of shocked by that too, to be honest. I thought I was like, come on, you guys didn't catch on to this, but uh, what are you going to say? Mike, I interrupted you. The same scene where they, he's handcuffed and he's walking like a penguin. Yeah. Waddling like waddle. a penguin. I laughed my ass off. I was like, it's like, Oh God. <laughs> That's like, that was great. But yeah, no. Um, yeah. I, I was going to say something else based on what Rick flicks was saying, but it was, uh, no, I, I lost it, but I think we touched on a lot of different stuff. It was excellent. And uh, moving on with like favorite scenes, I'll throw one in here. Um, I'll go with the straight up, the walking into the crime scene, the mayor's death. Um, yeah. There's so many different like sequences in this movie. I think like the first 20 minutes, I wanted to name as my favorite scene, just like with the Riddler intro, Batman intro, Batman walking into the crime scene behind Commissioner Gordon. But what stuck out so much to me, and I tweeted this, it felt like this was a different like rendition of Batman right from this moment because it's him going into a setting where there's people around him that don't accept him. He's not just creeping around at night, lurking in the shadows. He's coming face to face with face with these cops that don't know what to think about him. They basically just view him as a freak and they think he doesn't belong there, but he's just there to give analysis and he proves that he can be helpful to the case. But uh, him seeing the, the mayor's son, right? Making that emotional connection there. And he's wearing like the eye lenses at the time that's analyzing the scene. I thought that was a, a, a great gadget too for a like grounded type of Batman, a grittier type of Batman. It's not as high tech as like obviously like the the Nolan verse. I'll say that Nolan trilogy or the Snyder verse. But uh, I just loved how we were getting a Batman that was. The, it was like he didn't know how to be Batman yet. He's like, I'm just gonna walk into this scene 
I'm just going to walk into the crime scene wearing a freaking bat suit. I'm going to go into the club later and go see the penguin and just knock on the club door and walk in and tear the place down. He's not sneaking around yet. He's just being himself. And that just goes to the part where we don't see him as much as Bruce Wayne here. He's just Batman all the time. He's so hell bent on uh, cleansing the city and gaining this vengeance and uh, following his parents what, what he uh, kind of assumed what their goal was or what their vision was for Gotham. So that scene, what do you guys think of it? Sorry, I rambled. No, I completely agree. I love that intro. Like you said, like he, it showed not only is he a freak, this is something that we didn't see with the Batman. Like people said, oh, he's a freak. But this one, like he's really a freak. The stairs from the police department, everything. Um, but also you said connection, right? And then something in the way comes on. That was the transition. And then he goes into the Batcave, which is also different. So that was interesting. But you also mentioned the club scene. That is also yes. competing for the my favorite scenes besides the car chase scene. Both of them, whether it's the first time when he goes to see uh, Cobblepot, the Penguin, or the second time when clearly Craig, uh, Greg Frazier was like, oh, let me just pull out of my bag what I did in Rogue One with Darth Vader. I'll just do with the Batman here. Like, both of those scenes are competing for my favorite scenes as well, but uh, after the car chase scene. So I know just because you mentioned it, I had to say that too. Okay. Yeah. I, there was just so many freaking a plus scenes here there, there's the gif going around when he beats the crap out of the twins as he walks into the club as batman <laughs> and as he's going he's just like walking in he's like strutting he's just like i'm like there's no one stopping me here and it doesn't matter and then when he pulls out the gadget and he hits the grapple hook that goes through the dude's leg and then he pulls both of them i'm like holy right. crap and this goes with a prediction that ricky flicks had as a bonus prediction a couple episodes to go ago through those. that there was going to be Right, this moment where he's gonna there's gonna be a nightclub scene. There's actually a couple nightclub scenes, and the second one, like Zoe Kravitz, actually plays a massive role in it, obviously. But the music blaring, it has like that dark, corrupt type of EDM. It's not like that Avicii type. It's more of that like dark house that's going on. <laughs> Perfectly chosen as a selection, and at the lights blaring at the audience, it was on point. Oh, um, dude, the the EDM music just in that scene where he's first. The penguin's sitting down and he's talking to him. And then you can see how tense the room is. And then Selena walks in for the first time. It's like, it was like, and then the just camera just stops and like pans to them looking at each other. It's just, you could see like the intensity of like, how like, this is like a powder keg. Like if someone makes the wrong move, you know, it was just. And also, awesome. it also felt like someone shot at, like a, a Cupid shot an arrow up Batman's ass in that moment. You know, <laughs> he was just like, yeah, that too. he was like, he was like, holy crap. <laughs> like like the, the, the tension, but the sexual tension between these two already. And you know, like it's just, there's a spark immediately. And Zoe Kravitz sizzles, like whenever she's on the screen and uh, uh, her and Pattinson just really hit it off right from the get go. But you're right. And that, that shakedown scene of the penguin, that was a great intro for him too. Yet another amazing yeah. intro for the character. He's not like a, uh just like a cartoonish penguin like he has been portrayed in the past like he's he's a threat like he's a criminal mastermind this ain't no danny devito yeah this is gangster (laughs) the accent was great too felt like he i don't know felt like i don't even know what the comparison would be he's just like new yorker he's like yeah i guess he's, he's like a mobster like a new york mobster but also has like that cartoonish vibe to him 
a little bit Perfect. somehow, but still like feels like it could exist and the prosthetics make him look like, yeah, this is like a realistic take rather than the DeVito character who's really got like two fingers on each hand. It's got like, looks like he's got lobster claws going on. So yeah, I, I thought that was a, uh, yet another great rendition. This series is going to be incredible, but um, Ricky, do you want to run through some of these predictions we went through and we kind of analyze and see how we did? All right, sure. So, uh, for the listeners, and this is for Big Mike, too. I don't know if he listened to this episode. Two weeks ago, we made predictions for the Batman. Ten bold predictions. That was actually last week's episode. Uh, and uh, we want to run through them now and just kind of uh, go through the checkboxes here. Did it? Uh, did Were we right? Is there an asterisk on a couple of these? So, Ricky Flex, why don't you read them out loud, then we can assess whether we were right or wrong. Okay. So, the first one, Harvey Dent will not be in the movie. We got we- that right. We were right, although we did say at one point that we they were going to allude to him in the movie, which we didn't get either. <laughs> right, and it makes sense why they didn't immediately when we got introduced to Colson. so that was stupid. But we still kind of get it right. What we post on social media is that there won't be an, there won't be any alluding to Harvey Dent. I mean, there won't be any scenes with Harvey Dent. Correct. So in that case, put a check mark next to it. We're one and zero. <laughs> okay, now we're now it's. We're not undefeated anymore. Um, Alfred. If you're DA in a Batman movie, your last name's not Dent. Like you're gone. So, <laughs> yeah. What what they said? Like Colson's not not coming back to the sequel. Once they said Colson contract. Once they said Colson DA, I'm like, okay, he's gone in a matter of minutes. He's a goner. <laughs> like, like, like there's got to be like a timer on his freaking forehead for like how long he's lasts until the he's end. Being cast as Uncle Ben. Yeah. Okay. He'll have a nice five minutes. You know, he's got to make the most of it. You know, he's got limited screen time. He's like, he's like a, he's like a tenth man on the bench. Like, okay, do your thing and then get out of there. Um, yeah, I thought they were gonna introduce him though once Sarsgard blew up in front of Batman. I was yeah. like, okay, maybe we are gonna get this one. But I guess it would have been too many villains introduced in the first movie, I guess. But uh next one, Ricky. Alfred will fight someone one on one. The yeah, bomb. He's, yeah, he's fighting a freaking explosive. <laughs> Fight for his life. Yes. We're one and one then. One and one. Okay. Riddler's goal is to reveal the court of owls. So wrong, but not that wrong, yeah, <laughs> right? That, it's close. It's like, we're wrong, but are we? Like, next movie, Pattinson said that he wants to do a Court of Owls movie. What if the Riddler, that was his, like, he knows about it. You never know. Like, I have a hard time believing, like, which we're going to talk about, like, predictions for the next movie, like, what we want to see. I have a hard time imagining there's a group outside or higher than the group we just saw that was uncovered by the Riddler in this movie. If there is, I'll be shocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be but, too similar it'd be too similar to what we yeah, just saw I felt like we Tough. there was the secret society that has a linking between politics and the renewal uh, project the mob the yeah the renewal plan and everything it's just I feel like we just had that story but I would say we're close but we're still one and two okay this one was the bold I in my eyes the boldest prediction and we got it right Batman's final battle will not be with the Riddler that was a great prediction. I can't believe you got that, Ricky Flix. I, I did not see that coming. Mike, do you like? Did you did you listen to that episode with that prediction? I was shocked, and you're kind of half right. I mean, he was right. He like, was right. It looked like the Riddler. Oh, <laughs> it was different. A, a different type of Riddler. They were all Riddlers. No, it's yeah. that they were also legends. You know, I, I was just gonna say. That. 
<laughs> you know how like the, the the Riddler has like the envelope holding it out in like one of those stills, and it's like to the Batman. You know how people are changing that to a meme, being like W. That's me right now. <laughs> w. <laughs> Verbal meme. Yes. Two and two. We're two and two. Five hundred. Okay. There will be a Nirvana, a Nirvana song in the movie. Yes. Check. You got it. Something in the way. Twice. You got it twice. Very effective, by the way. Mm. Very effective. Okay. Three and two. This actually might have been the boldest. This is a good one. Carmine Falcone. Falcone. Remember, they changed the name to Falcone. That was good. also a good change that they did in this movie. Um, will die in Batman's arms. I called that. I called Check. that. And people were saying, obviously, you got the like the, the long Halloween stories, like Falcone. You got the relationship with Catwoman. But I said, like Bruce Wayne, they mentioned it in a scene. Like there was a scene that came out prior to the movie as promo. It was Falcone saying, yes, die. You're like his father saved me after a shot in the chest. And Bruce was watching. And I was like, okay, he's definitely going to die with Bruce watching him. You know, so it's going to happen at the end of this movie. And I was right. I was right. A bold prediction. I am so proud of that. Mikey, Mike, did you, did, were you shocked by that? I looked back at Ricky Flex after that happened. I was, I went like a quick glance. I was like, told you. I, was, I had to tell him. If you still on Halloween, you know, he's going to die, but I did not think it was going to be like Batman's arm. You know? <laughs> I can't believe I got that right. That's a shot. And, that That's a hundred to one. I mean, you could kind of see in his eyes that he realized that Batman was Bruce. Mm. I agree. I noticed that the second time I saw the movie, he looked at him and like, it's that moment where he, he sees the eyes after he shot in the chest and everything he did. I think he did realize that. I think that was a callback there. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So Four and two. Jim's Jim Gordon's family will not be seen and he will fight someone. So you could say that's completely right. If you say he just got absolutely bamboozled by Batman, who do you fight? Well, no. What are you talking about? What about gunfight? He had a gunfight with Penguin. If we call gunfight, I didn't call gunfight. I this is one of mine. So it's half right, but he did get punched in the face by Batman. Was he fighting those Riddler guys at the end? No, I came late. I he went upstairs. He asked, like, "How do I get up there?" In like in that voice. (laughs) and, and then he got up there and didn't do anything, but just like made Perfect sure. Perfect impression, by the way, of Jeffrey Wright in Game Night. <laughs> oh, he was in Game Night. Yeah, oh, remember, yeah, he was, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was the he was the guy who was yeah, high. He's incredible for this bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> what a cameo! But uh, yeah, so what? Imagine Jesse Plemons thinking of Game Night. Jesse Plemons is like a Batman villain in the next movie. Plump boys, the plump boys, Dano and him, Brendan Fraser, Batgirl, (laughs) yeah, Firefly. But yeah, so now we're four and three, right? I guess that was a two part one, so we could say we're four and a half and four, two, and one, four, two, and one. (laughs) That's a tie, right? Four, two, and one. Let's keep going. Okay, well, the Waynes were a part of the Court of Owls. That's a L wrong, wrong, but it still has aspects of being sort of correct because they were a kind of a part of this conspiracy in terms of not with the renewal plan. Like it, it didn't, obviously it went into a totally different direction than they intended, but like uh, conspiring with Carmine Falcone to kind of suppress this reporter. So it shows that like they were wrongdoers. That's a word I used in the predictions. I said the Waynes would be wrongdoers, but we're still wrong. We're, we're wrong. So four, three and one. Okay. 
I'm not proud of this one. Catwoman and Batman will not make out. I was never on board. I was it's, never on board with that prediction. You knew they were going to make great. out. They're bold predictions. You got to go bold. <laughs> I think a lot of The tension, just well, be a tension-filled movie. That's what I was bold thinking. Bold predictions, they're going to make out without their costumes. Like <laughs> That would have been bold. Yes, that, that would have been bold. Uh yeah, I think I, I told Ricky the bold one would be like saying they did they it, the, the sexual tension was so strong there the bold prediction would be they aren't going to have sex you know <laughs> like you know that that would have been bold because based on the tension there's a whole trailer called the bat and the cat and just staring in each other's eyes for two and a half minutes you know it's like they're gonna make out I'll remember Zach Snyder's tweet eh yeah, yeah. or would have been like they don't make out and Zoe Kravitz just licks his lips you know it's just something like incredibly whoa you know well okay so we're back to 500 but we're above 500 because our 10th and final prediction the joker will be seen as the joker that was a safe one yeah that was at the safe. end of the day that was safe but 5411 we'll take it that's above good for gambling that's good a couple bonus ones we i think we also threw in there do you remember the bonus ones at all oh no um i don't remember your guys bonus picks i was gonna say that shouldn't be that shouldn't fall on big mike if he remembers yeah, yeah definitely not him i remember maybe like two of the ones ricky just said <laughs> yeah i don't remember but i let's just say we got them right yeah five four and one that's a great way to uh i don't know just kind of evaluate our predictions we, we did so much hype it had so much hype going into it and then we had a lot of previews adding in and uh yeah, over 500 is excellent for a movie that, like, it's supposed to be a new rendition of the Batman, a lot of unexpectedness to it. Um, I think what I want to do next is kind of power rank the characters in this movie and the performances. Uh, so I guess think of maybe a top five that we have. Maybe I'll just run through the characters. Uh, Mike, did you prepare anything at all for, like, a power rank of these characters? No, I can do it on the fly. Okay, Ricky Flix, do you have a power ranking at all, or do you need a second for me to like maybe talk through them? We're doing like power rankings of like the characters in this film. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. So I'm just gonna go through what I had, and I want to see where you guys stand. I'll go through a couple of characters. Uh, for my number one in the power rankings for Batman characters from this film, I'm starting off with Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman. I think she is number one in terms of the power rankings. I think, as I said before, she steals the show in every scene she's in. She provides the emotional attachment other than Alfred in that one scene, right? For Bruce Wayne, Robert Pattinson's Batman, I should say. Uh, she's sexy. She's sleek. Uh, she has the, I think her character was written well too. And uh, with the connection to this underworld and how she wants to avenge her friend, but it's also, you get the reveal of Carmine Falcone as her dad. And I think they set her up nice for the future too, for the sequel. And then who knows, maybe she gets her own series as she heads up into Bloodhaven. But I thought she, uh, she stole the show in every scene. And uh, I think she's the pro she is the quintessential Catwoman, As I mentioned in the previous pod, I have her in the number one rankings. Do you guys agree or disagree? I disagree. I thought she was great. I think she's number one, but she was great. Yeah, I, okay. I, I'm not saying she. Yeah, I think she was great. She was great. I think the one downside after the rewatches is like, yes, like you knew after the first watch, like yeah, she's like doing a lot of the exposition here, but it, yeah. it did fall a lot on her. And my number one's the Batman. Like, 
So I had that at two. The best I'm, Batman I'm, I'm, you've ever you, seen. If you guys have Batman at one, I'm willing to concede. But then I would like to have Catwoman at two. I have Catwoman. As, I have Catwoman as two. So I, I guess why I didn't have Batman number one is because he's not the complete Batman we've seen. There's plenty of room to grow. As I said before, we didn't really get him as the Bruce Wayne that we had seen in other movies. I don't think it was a complete rendition of the character, but he's awesome as Batman, which is like what his job was in this movie. And I thought the acting he does in the suit is better than any other acting that's been done. Like even with, even with Bale, like who he is, right? His prestige that's put upon his name. He is... Like Pattinson just takes it to another level here. Uh, so I, I'm okay with going Batman one. That's initially what I was thinking, but I kind of put Selena there. Uh, mm-hmm. Big Mike, what do you think? Batman one? Yeah, I, you know, it's hard because I actually like Colin Farrell so much. I almost want him at one. He's my three. But he only got 10 minutes of screen time. So it's really tough to do that. We're going to have to workshop this. I think you got to remember, I loved Wright as Gordon. I, I I thought he was great. They're all so good, Mike. You can't all have a tie for one. We can't have everything. No, they're not all tie for one. I, I guess I would put Pattinson first. It, it's tough because I wasn't a huge fan of his Bruce. So I think the- I, I liked it. Obviously, a huge fan is not the correct way. I, I, I knew what he was doing, and Issa, I actually had a long discussion about this because she felt the same way, and I was like, obviously they're going to be setting him up to. He's realized at the end, like he needs Bruce Wayne to cause change in Gotham. And so he's going to change and become that playboy, that outgoing Bruce Wayne philanthropist. Mm-hmm. Philanthropist. So, but mm-hmm. it's just he was so good as Batman, but he wasn't like he left a little bit to des- be desired as Bruce. Yeah, and just again, so, gr- so much room to grow. The Alfred relationship it did bug me a bit, and Circus was so good as Alfred, but again, a little bit of screen time. So I guess I don't know. Talking it out, I I might put, I might put Kravitz number one over Pattinson because she wow. was okay. I gotta jump back so, in. She, I gotta she jump so back good. in. She, she was so good. Like but, she was right. like every line she said, her attitude. I'd still like half away more, but wow, wow, what, what? <laughs> over five. That's shocking. Hathaway's way bigger, man. Like she's like five two, a hundred nothing. Five well, she's supposed to be small, petite. Like she can get anywhere athletic, you know. She can jump know, around. Like, yeah, she like, looks like, more athletic than like, Hathaway. Like now. watching her fight, like grown men, like, like Batman size. It's just like a little bit like hard to believe. But she didn't take him out all, you know. She, she got right. overpowered in a few scenes. Like it wasn't yeah, just which her was like dominating. Because it, it's that was grounded. But like yeah. just her performance, though, like everything about her, like was like Selena Kyle and. I think she looked it too, me, like in the comic I've, books. Year one. Yes, I year one at the end. I, I give her the edge because she was more a whole performance. I liked Pattinson. I thought Bruce, okay. like his Batman's a 10 out of 10. His Bruce was a seven. Okay, so then I'm jumping back in here. Before you delete that, I see that on the document. Do not do that. We're not doing that because, yes, as a whole performance, Selena Kyle and Catwoman together both were stellar performances. Batman, though, if we're talking about limited screen time, Bruce Wayne had limited screen time. So don't you dare take that. You take that highlighter <laughs> off right now because the it's Batman. Like, it's, this is the best Batman we have ever seen. On the this is the best, the best Batman we have ever seen. Look at this mask. Look at this mask. 
Yes, yes, yes. But Do not there's a, it's you not dare. a complete it's not a complete character compared to the other renditions that have happened. Yes, the performance is awesome, but power rankings, I think Catwoman compared to her predecessors, way better. Even than Michelle Pfeiffer, who probably I'm shocked that Mike has Hathaway ahead of Michelle Pfeiffer. That too freaky for Big Mike. Michelle too Pfeiffer. freaky. Too freaky. Licking faces uh, doesn't like it. Uh, not so weird with the cats. If Ricky Flicks is going to throw a bit of a fit here, I'm okay with having the Batman one as long as we have Catwoman two. I'm By okay the way, that it. just reminds me. So the second time I watched it, I went with uh, Sarah, my girlfriend Sarah, and I went with Johnny Sims, future guest on the pod. But look what I got here. I got this popcorn bucket, which is cool. But look at the real treasure. Look at this cup. Look at that. Describe it. Yeah. It's it's impossible to describe for the podcast listeners, but like gray, it's a dark cup. It has a, like the ridges outlined of the Pattinson Batman, the title on it. Then it has like Gotham in the the back. Yeah. It's like edged in the cup. Right. And it has like Gotham in the background. Yes. And then it has like the Batmobile and inside the Batcave. It's so bright red uh, Batman logo on the top. It's phenomenal. I, it does look awesome. This, Ricky's just I, collecting all this memorabilia from seeing this movie three times. He's like, a, he collects something different every time he sees it. I got it. to be the Batcave. Wow. You look at this. He's carrying four different things. Like a little kid. Yeah. It's, it's it looks Christmas. like, he opened, like up up pre- it looks like he opened up these presents on Christmas and he just asked for all, all things the Batman. Well, like we know what he's going to be for Halloween uh, this year. Uh, so I guess... Mike, you okay having the Batman number one in the power rankings to give this guy what he wants? Are we going to bow down to him? Because I am. Because, like, it is the, like, he is the main focus. Like, I mean, yeah, I I, I can concede. Because, I mean, how much screen time did he have? Pattinson, like. He was in a lot of the movie. It's like almost two movies. Yeah, <laughs> he's in an insane <laughs> amount of time for like he's out of the three hours, he's probably two and a half hours. You know, yeah. I love to see a comparison of him versus like Keaton, who was in two Batmans. It, I bet you was similar. Like Keaton, you can argue, wasn't even the he, yeah. Keaton doesn't even have top billing in the original Batman, and he takes a backseat in his own sequel. You know, I never this really is- thought Keaton was like amazing. I never got the hype just because he was the first. I think it's he's the first. Well, it's not yeah. like Christopher Reeve, where clearly Reeve was like he oh, is Superman. He and I don't get the same thing. This one felt like a truly like character study, like a psychological yeah. study mm-hmm. of the Batman, you know, and that's something we really haven't seen with the movies either. You know, I, that's why I think it also separated itself. Psychological thriller, literally what it was. Um, I also so number three, but you guys both had the penguin as number three. I changed my mind mid sentence. I have Riddler. Riddler is more I think time. I'd go. I think I would go Riddler because he was a great villain, and uh, screen time. He and was. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was Ledger good though. No, as a villain. no, no, definitely not. He'd be number one. There was a pretty range. wide gap, but that's just because Ledger was so great, not because Dan was so bad. Yeah. What I, I take away from him, like he was, he was powerful in the performance, and I, I said in the spoiler free, I liked him more when it, uh, towards the beginning of this movie. The introduction's amazing. I like him on the live streams, like in the middle of the movie, and and like towards like that front half. Uh, I think he's amazing in the suit, and I think he's menacing. 
But when it comes to that interrogation scene, a lot of people are trying to compare it to the Dark Knight interrogation scene. Oh. They're asking which one's better. It's not close. Like the Dark Knight blows different too. out of the water. There's some confusion in that scene, whether he knows he's Bruce Wayne or not. But after the second time I watched it, I, I confirmed like he doesn't know that Batman is Bruce Wayne. He doesn't Correct. understand it's the same person. He doesn't know. But the way he they yeah. the way they portrayed it was so uh confusing to start but also the he hams it up a little bit dano in that that scene him starting singing the ave maria it makes you laugh a little bit at a time you shouldn't be laughing this is like the most intense part of the the, the movie we're entering the third act and we have this moment where you're like okay this is like a little bit too much over it's too over the top and i feel like i felt like Matt Reese is watching this happen. He's not going to be like, okay, let's try that again. After Dano like goes full in on that scene. He's like, what are you talking about? I just gave it my all. Like he was overacting to the max there. And I think it took away a little bit from the performance, especially also that interaction with Joker at the end, hamming it up. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I agree with both you guys. I also do like at first re first watch. I didn't like how we didn't see more in-person Riddler. I wanted to see more of him, like not just through a phone or through a laptop or through a screen, right? But at the end of the day, it kind of made sense. I, I, and another, I don't think it was the same interview because I uh, doc, but I did listen to one interview with Reeves and he was saying that like that live stream element, that Twitch stream element was like kind of connecting the audience of today, the modern era audience to Batman that might not know the Batman comics or storyline really. So it has some sort of effect on newer modern audiences, which I do understand. I think it actually was played very well in this movie after, upon rewatches here. So I, that actually doesn't bother me as much, but now after the rewatches, I completely agree with you. I've done a 360 on that as well. He did ham it up. He did. I still think I liked it more than you, the interrogation scene, but to even mention it in the same breath as the Joker, I know you have to just because that interrogation scene, you have to compare Batman interrogation scenes, but in critically acclaim wise, not even close. Yeah. Like the, the like you could argue that Joker interrogation scene, the Dark Knight is the greatest comic book scene in history. And I put it up with anything in the MCU, including those comic book moments at the end of Avengers Endgame. I don't care. There is no better scene, character, acting, right, than the Dark Knight interrogation scene. Like a leper. One of my favorite of all time. There's Any the context movie. too. It's a first, it hits personal, close to home. Like mm -hmm. his best friend from childhood, the last connection to his childhood is in danger and he's desperate. It's one of the few times you see Batman desperate. Um, as we wrap up these power rankings, I think we should do it with a top five, right? So we end it with five, like, great performances here so we have the batman one catwoman two riddler three i think we all agree penguins next at four i think we've talked about him to a great extent here but the question becomes who takes our last spot we're looking at like we have jeffrey wright as commissioner gordon we have carmine falcone played by john tatura with andy circus all right playing alfred we have sarsgaard peter sarsgaard playing uh, Gil Coulson, who do you think deserves the five spot there, Big Mike? Oh, it's right. I love the dynamic and chemistry he had with uh, Pattinson. I thought with Bruce, with Batman, it was ripped again from the pages of the comic book. It was, it, it reminded me, it was, it was great, but different than the relationship in the Dark Knight trilogy that he had with Gordon, you know? Because um, what we said about the Batman showing up on the, uh, police uh crime scene i don't think any batman movies ever done that 
Yeah. It, I, I love it. It was. It felt like the animated series, dude. When he's yeah, he, it's, he's it's side by side with like Gordon he does that all the time, and, and Gordon's here, always sticking it, up for him. Exactly. So I I would give it to Wright. I love Circus. Like I said, I wish I saw more. Too little. And Coulson, it's just I, I gotta go with a big character. I, I'm not gonna go with a guy created for the movie. I, I think the rivalry here for the five spies between Totoro and Jeffrey Wright. I really do think that. I did not like his Carmine. I thought because wow, I, look, he was good, but like Carmine felt hey, he's an he imposing character. He doesn't didn't he doesn't scream gangster to me, John Totoro. I agree. Carmine Falcone is supposed to be like a John Gotti, like a big buff gangster, Italian mobster. Like right. like dude, it's physically not Mister D. Totoro is not. <laughs> The Jesus is not physically intimidating. <laughs> the Jesus rolls, baby. The Jesus yeah, rolls. Or Mr. Deeds is butler. Like that so, loves yeah, speed. he's not he's not intimidating. But I he mean, did do great. Creepy. He did great. The voice but, he put on was excellent. I think he got he was great getting into good. character. I did like get the vibe. He was a corrupt mobster. I did feel that he wasn't physically intimidating, but I liked the uh, what he brought to the table here. Ricky Flex, who do you got? Falcone, or do you got Commissioner Gordon? I think the Falcone element that I just mentioned in that big Mike mentioned, I, that puts him at six and I put Jeffrey right ahead of him, especially with that, you know, doctor, you were mentioning about the seven element, like the seven, you felt it between uh, Wright and patents in here, the entire movie. Yep. And that's what I think gets him in that fifth spot, even though I do think he some of his lines in this movie or the way that they were delivered were unintentionally funny or unintentionally just eh, like, didn't really get like that vibe didn't fit like why don't you punch me in the face like i, I don't know like, <laughs> I, don't, I thought you would pull that punch some of his deliveries just had me like rolling laughing yeah. and like everything <laughs> he's, like, he's like he's, he's like we need to get you out of here he's like, <laughs> he's like how are we gonna do that you open like, your eyes <laughs> <laughs> so like you know what i mean like i think the turtle was such a bet like i thought he killed it but the problem is it's just this nature of the characters. I think Wright was a good Gordon. Totoro did very well acting, but wasn't the Falcone or in this movie Falcone that we wanted to see as comic book of people that love the comic book, right? So maybe we got to stop looking looking at it through the comic book lens and just look at it for this movie itself. But at the end of the day, this is, has so many comic book elements that I can't not look at it. So I'm going to put Wright at five for me. It's close. I have Totoro ahead, but I'm I'm gonna like I'm just two verse one, and uh, we do have to wrap up the the power the power <laughs> rankings here. But I did have like as I said to Ricky Flex in the spoiler uh, free review, it felt like seven like Mills and Somerset, Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman going at and uh, um basically talking with these uh, potential suspects or like shaking them down. And it felt like it was like a, a good cop, bad cop type of thing. And it felt like uh, that relationship that we see in the bat and like the animated series that wasn't explored as much in the Burton films was explored in the, tr- uh, the Nolan trilogy. It seems like it's strong here as well. They've kind of started to explore it in, um, uh, in justice league, but obviously we never really got to see that come to fruition. Maybe like you're gonna have like Keaton with J.K. Simmons in the upcoming background movie, which could be an interesting uh, combination. But uh, yeah, so I guess that's gonna wrap up the top five. We got uh, the Batman number one, Catwoman number two, 
Riddler number three, Penguin four, and then Jeffrey Wright's Commissioner Gordon number five in terms of performance rankings. So as we wrap up here, um, the last segment we want to do to wrap up the spoiler review and our deep dive into the Batman. This has been awesome. Thank you very much for Big Mike joining us, gracing us with his presence, DC aficionado. Let's uh, let's go into some maybe uh, maybe villains we want to see in the sequel. Obviously, we have the Joker being teased, but what other villains are we interested in uh, being introduced to this universe? So why don't you start, Big Mike? Who do you want to see? I think I'm going to take Rick's. Uh, he hasn't said it, but I think I know what he's going to say, and I'm going to go with Hush. Ooh. That was, Is my, that what you're going to say? No, but I have it on my list here. I'm glad you said yeah, it. Yeah, so, because I keep going in the background of Bruce, who's Hush. He's, now I won't spoil who he is, but he's a childhood acquaintance. HBO Max, go watch it. Bruce, that comes back into his life in a big way. So it could be, it think, could be too similar to what we just saw, though. I, I do right? agree with that. Yeah, it, it could be. So we can see if he mixes it up. But Hush would be awesome. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I'll leave you guys before I say a different one. So Okay. Ricky Flex, what do you got? So I have a, I have, I have a few here, but I'll just say one just because I know Dr. Oso has to go here. Um, I think – so I saw that for the third, the third time I watched this movie, I saw it with Scotty Furious, uh, guest of the year, Depot winner, episode 43. Go listen to it if you haven't listened to him. But Mr. Freeze would be interesting here. We haven't seen him since Arnold. Like we've seen Two-Face like recently. We've seen Joker a lot. We've seen Catwoman now, the Riddler. Like we've seen uh, Scarecrow, Ra's al Ghul. We've seen a lot of the, these Batman villains already. What haven't we seen in a while? And Poison Ivy, we've already seen like a love interest uh, many times with Batman. So we got to see something new. Mr. Freeze, a great backstory for him and him in itself. Scotty Furious will give him credit. He said this, Gotham's flooded right now. You could bring in Mr. Freeze to freeze, to freeze that water. That would be an amazing uh, storyline to do there. So credit to him. And my and then I was like, oh, casting. My first thought of who should play Mr. Freeze. My first immediate thought. Ed Harris. <laughs> Someone that has some free time in his hands now. Paul Bettany. Ooh, that's good. That's Paul good. Paul Bettany would be very interesting. And he has a lot of free time because he's no longer in the MCU. So that was oh, my well, pick. Kind of is. Yeah. But uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But um, yeah, and I have other ones, but I'll let Dr. O speak. That's good. Uh, the character deserves a better rendition than Batman and Robin with the Arnold rendition. We need one that's less punny. And I think it provides, there's an avenue here with the flooding of Gotham. Maybe they hire Victor Freeze to kind of help solve this situation. And we have Matt Reese saying in this promo, for the Batman, the sequel, he wants to make it a more emotional story. Doesn't get any more emotional for a Batman villain than the tragic backstory for Victor, uh, Victor Freeze. It's got that juiciness to it from the animated series. Can be yes. a very compelling uh, villain. But uh, and also it's a challenge for Matt Reeves. Can you figure out a way to make a grounded Mr. Freeze story and not make it feel campy or out of place? I think he's up for it. 
All right. Uh, my turn. So I'm going to go off the beaten path. I'm going to give uh, a character that has not been seen in live action. Uh, I think there could be some creativeness here. Uh, I don't want it to be the same exact story and motivation as the last movie, but can you imagine if we got a live action phantasm in Batman? So after watching Mask of the Phantasm, maybe they're not taking down these mob bosses because that's similar to the story we just got with the Riddler. But it'd be cool if maybe we get a little bit of insight into Bruce's backstory. Uh, Maybe he had a love interest prior to becoming Batman. Maybe he is a depressed recluse for a certain reason other than just his parents. What was he like before he put on the suit? Maybe you get a little insight uh, in the sequel. Uh, So Phantasm, not a comic book character, but uh, Robert Robert Pattinson has said the influence Master of the Phantasm had on his portrayal. Um, but just seeing that potentially it could be adapted in a different way. It's like a, also a physical villain that Batman could be going up against. Uh, Cause after not really fighting the Riddler, the entire movie, you have a potential scary brooding villain to match up against the Batman. Maybe he get, he gets his legacy kind of tarnished a little bit after this first movie. People think he's committing some, some of these serial murders. So what do you guys think? Phantasm possibility, or do you think it's too close to what we just saw? Depends if they can mix it up a bit. But it could be a good possibility. I mean, that's probably one of the best like non-comic characters ever created up there. Uh, like number one, obviously Harley Quinn. But then um, Phantasm. That's a, again, that's good. Uh, it'd be very different. Yeah, and I feel like like maybe as a third movie, perhaps because yeah. like Joker is so the Joker and the mob is so influential in Phantasm, right? And we got the mob side here, but maybe we get a Joker Joker's introduction in, too. in the second mm-hmm. one. And then the third one is like, all right, let's bring it all together with Phantasm. Maybe I like it. Uh, maybe not for the next movie, but I do like it as like a third. I think there's like potential there. We will say, talk about physicality. It looked a lot like Venom. What, uh, you know, the powers bang that he injected himself in the climax. It's green. It's, and then he goes nuts and he gets that strength and adrenaline. Mm. I don't know if it's an Easter egg or something to keep an eye out for. The serum already exists in this world, right? For someone to kind of use. So I, I yes. think it does tease the potential ba- Bane in this Good universe. Call. They, they did a great job potentially setting up this entire Batverse, but also in a subtle way. It's not as much in your face, like so much of these MCU projects where like, Incredibly like how, how like the Ebony Blade, it's like in, in, uh, in um, Eternals where it's like there's something random going on and someone goes like, oh, the, the uh, Ebony Blade is the most powerful sword in the history of the world. It's like, it's like, yes, yeah, we get it. They're going to be someone like the Dane Whitman's going to somehow possess this thing. And it's going to be in a post credit scene. This one's more subtle. Like, are they going to do this? There's a possibility. What might happen here? You know, yeah. I think, I think just a big, like when we we're just talking about this, a big issue is that this movie did so much, right? Like the, it had the red there already. And his intentions kind of like took over a lot of what these other villains do. Like I would love to see court of Owls, Like we talked about, but we kind of saw that already. We talked about, calendar man or i did at least i would love to see a calendar man movie but that's kind of like similar like similar type of character so like i don't know and like holiday like obviously in long halloween i would love to see that too but at the end of the day like falcone is so influential in that movie or that comic that you can't really have that anymore 
So it's just interesting to see where they're going to go here to try to separate themselves with these villains besides the Joker and Riddler and the rest or introduce someone new like a Mr. Freeze or Hush or Phantasm, which would be pretty nuts. Or there could be a situation, I'll just throw it out there as we wrap up, that Harvey Dent gets in, uh, introduced in one of these spinoff series, maybe in the Penguin series. We need a new DA. We got a new crime boss. Maybe here comes Harvey Dent at the end of that series. Maybe he melts half his face. All of a sudden, you got a villain for the second one. You know, it's kind of, it's uh, it really, it's really unpredictable what's going to happen, but this is what is so great about fandom. It's just having these conversations and uh, trying to predict what's going to happen and watch us be ultimately wrong. <laughs> so, you know, it's the best. So thank you again to Big Mike, our DC aficionado for joining. Uh, we're going to wrap it up there with episode 80. So thank you again, Big Mike. And uh, let's have you on, uh, let's have you on soon. Okay. What do you say, dude? Thank you guys. Thanks boys. And uh, yeah, for everyone listening, just uh, my podcast is <laughs> <laughs> quick plug. Uh, no, I don't got one, but uh, thank you. Yeah. It's been, it's been a treat. I'm sure. Uh, I, I'm sure it's going to be warmly received. Okay. One of our favorite guests, probably we should say our favorite guests tied with PKO <laughs> just because they're the closest to us and they have such expertise in the fields that we uh, ask them to talk about and discuss. So that's going to do it for episode 80 and our, our spoiler review of the Batman. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to us on wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it be Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, Apple. Make sure that you follow us on social media at the drive-in pod, okay? On Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. That's going to do it for episode 80. Until next time, we will.